Welcome back to Brailcast Extra. My name is Matthew Horsepool, and coming up this time, it's the next in the series of Braille music, Let's Tackle the Basics. This is a series that takes place on Clubhouse. Um, this particular one took place on Monday, the 28th of June, 2021, and it's introduced by Stuart Lawler. Today, I thought we would just finish off with a couple of... Uh, things I wanted to touch on um, really around, so there were four things, uh, phrase marks, word signs, ties and slurs. And before we do that, I thought it was worth going back over some of the material we covered in session two, because there was a a lot of it. Um, So we talked about octave signs, which I think we all said are probably the most important thing in Braille music. They form the basis of so many things and the rules for their use are very important uh, to know and to know how to apply. And uh, without going through all the octaves, again, I will just mention the rules that if music moves um, moves either um, up to a third, whether you're in the same octave or in, or in a different octave, you don't have to change the octave sign. So if you're going either a third up or a third down, you don't have to change the octave sign. If you're going a fourth or fifth up or fourth or fifth down and you're moving to a new uh, octave, then you do need to change the octave sign. And if you're moving a sixth or greater up or down, regardless of there being um, a new octave, you have to change the, you have to add rather the octave sign. We also said the octave sign comes directly before the note. So after any other markings that may arise, the octave sign comes before that note. this thing yeah. about often sounds like always, if, never. Or never, if, always, if you like. I mean, never use the octave, use the octave sign if, or always use them. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I actually, we sort of said that in the last session, I think. And technically, I, I really need to add this is, this is not correct. <laughs> Gonna say it anyway, uh, the because this is not strictly correct in braille music. But I think Mike, my, my thing was if you're in doubt, just stick it in. Doesn't really matter. Uh, braille music people will be able to pick it up, but it is crucially important to put them in if you're in any way in doubt. If you leave it out, obviously the music could sound very strange, and you create uh, doubt on the part of the musician. So uh, that was octave signs, and then we looked at um, writing chords. And we started talking about intervals. And again, we have from a second right up to an octave. And um, Matthew was was talking a little bit about how this is used in choral music as well at the time. And we were crucially, the the, uh, thing to remember here is that in the right hand, you're reading downwards. So the top, the the note that will be showed in the right hand, for example, is, is the top note in the chord. So we might expect, for example, if you were writing a chord of C, E, and G, you might expect to see fourth octave C and a third and a fifth, but you'll actually see fourth octave G and a third and a fifth. And we did say that in the left hand, uh, they will read um, upwards. So in, in, if you had, a, again, a C chord, it would be third octave C and a third and a fifth. And those rules are very important as well, because if you don't understand them, obviously, uh, you won't be able to, again, those chords won't make very much sense. So that was intervals, uh, octave signs, and uh, we also talked about rests last time because we had forgotten to mention rests in the previous session. 
So we had uh, Quaver, Crotchet, Minim, and Semi-Brief Rests. Um, and again, we went through the signs for those. I'm going to move on to talk a little bit about um, word signs and how they're used. So word signs are important, obviously, in music because you need um, instructions, for example, in relation to the dynamics of the music. Is it louder or softer or uh, other um, instructional information that a performer needs to receive? And of course, the type of instructional information that a performer is going to receive um, will depend greatly on the instrument that they're playing. So again, I, as we have as we have mentioned previously on these sessions, I'm very piano focused. So a lot of what I'm going to talk to you about is piano. And I, I do apologize for people who are not pianists, but the general concept and syntax of how you use these things is going to be the same. So the word sign in Braille music is the AR sign. So that's dots three, four, and five. And interestingly, it's not spaced. So if you wanted to put word sign um, MF, for example, for mezzo forte, which would be very loud, you would write the word sign and directly after it, the letters MF, and then you put a dot three afterwards. And the dot three shows that your now finished word signs are words and you're going back to Braille music. Now, you can put words, you can put um, entire words with spaces in if you want, as long as you put a dot three at the end to show that you're at the end and you're going back to Braille music. And indeed, there are some people who, when you're writing composition and you're writing words, words and music, uh, there certainly was a question in the in the Leaving Cert uh, examinations here um, in Ireland, which is the equivalent of the final exams here before you go to college. And I suspect in the UK there was something very similar in the exam paper where you would be given a, um, a poem and you would have to set it to music. And it was deemed to be a very tricky thing to expect a Braille user to do in, a, in an exam situation where your time is restricted. Um, because there are a couple of ways you could do it. You can actually write the words in line with the music. So you could write a bar of, of um, you could write a bar of melody and have the words corresponding to the bar. Or you could do what, what a lot of us used to do and write a line of lyrics and then write four bars of music on the next line. The, the, the problem with that, I suppose, is that sometimes it might be difficult to know where exactly the music goes in relation to the words. And there are syllable signs then that can help you with that. So if you're writing a lot of lyrics and Matthew may have some comments on that because I know Matthew's a singer. So you may have seen that already, Matthew. Um, there are different ways to do that and it depends on how much text you need to write. Um, but the stuff that would be in piano music is very sh short instructional text. So for example, CR for crescendo, DIM for diminuendo, RIT for ret retardendo. Um, MF for mezzo forte, FF for f forte, um, MP for uh, mezzo piano, and P for piano. And they would be written immediately after the word sign, followed by uh, the dot three, and then um, an octave sign, if an octave sign is necessary. It mightn't always be because, for example, your music may be getting louder uh, maybe in the next bar and the octave may not have changed. So it kind of depends on the context. Obviously, if your word sign is starting on a new line, 
it would be a good idea to put an octave sign in as well, because we usually change up, we usually add an octave sign at the start of a new line. So that's word signs. There's lots of examples of words in music in a lot of the books that we talked about, including the John Partridge and the, um, the Richard Tesh book. I have not seen the book by Lisette Wesling that we cut that we that somebody mentioned before, but I've heard very good things about it, and I'm sure it is covered there as well. And obviously, there's lots of um, information, uh, very detailed information on word signs and how different word, how different um, words, I suppose, or word combinations of music are written in the new International Manual of Braille Music. Which, by the way, because I, I, well, I did say I would check this out the last time, the 1997 version is still the current uh, working copy, although there is a 2015 revision. Uh, it's a Braille music notation manual by the Braille Authority of North America. So that's, again, available online uh, from the um, National Library and is also available as a BRF file. So again, if you want, or the Library of Congress rather. So again, if you want that, you can contact the Library of Congress, especially if you're in the US. Uh, in the, in here in, in the UK rather, I found the International um, Manual of Braille Music Notation, the 1997 version on a website called Golden Chord, which is run of course by Roger Furman. Some people might know Roger. And uh, there is also information on that uh, publication in uh, the RNIB Music Advisory Service. So that's word signs. Uh, let's talk a little bit about slurs and uh, ties, which are uh, which look similar in Braille music, and they can be often uh, confused. Um, so if you are tying a note, so maybe crotchet tied to a quaver. And obviously just for purposes of clarity, a tied note is where the same note is held for a number of beats. And indeed some cases over a bar, but when you're tying a note, it will always be tied obviously to the same, to the same note. So if we're tying a crotchet to maybe an A minimum, we would have, and if we say it's in the fourth octave, just for clarity, we'll do fourth octave A crotchet. And we'll use the, the tie sign, which is dot four, followed by dot one and four, and then the A minimum. So that's the tie sign. The slur sign, uh, so when notes are slurred, they're, they're kind of, uh, I, I guess it sounds, that not, that they're, not that they're tied, but they're kind of connected to each other. Um, but they would not necessarily be the same note. They could be different notes that would be slurred together. And the slur sign is dot one and four. So you would generally, uh, there would be no spaces, obviously, unless you're, unless you're going uh, across a bar line. And there can be instances where something is slurred across a bar line, in which case you would have, for example, if you're slurring a B minimum to a B crotchet in the next bar, you'll have B minimum, slur sign, space, and then B crotchet. Uh, if you're slurring to a note with um, in in a bar in a bar in a new bar, and um, in an octave that is different to the to the octave you've just been writing in, then assuming you know your octave rules, you would make a decision on whether or not you need to you need to include a change. So if we were going from a B minimum fourth octave B minimum up to a, a fifth octave E crotchet, for example, and slurring across a bar line, 
then we would have to put in the fifth octave E crotchet. And of course, you can tie across a bar line as well, in which case if we would have maybe something like A minimum tied with a space afterwards to show that there's a bar line to A crotchet. Uh, so that's slurring. And the other thing, kind of staying on the composition bit, I suppose, um, is phrase marks. And phrase marks are, I suppose, important in composition. Um, so, you know, you might have a musical phrase of four bars and then the phrase is closed and then the next phrase is the next four bars. Uh, so some people use them and you will, you will see them, I think, if you're kind of reading a lot of, a lot of keyboard music as well. Uh, so if you want to open a phrase, you press, you, you, you brother, you, you braille or you write dots five, six, followed by dot one, two. Now, again, the phrase mark is there, but it has to go before an octave sign. Nothing comes after the octave sign. The octave sign always gets joined on to the note to which it needs to be attached or to which it applies. So right hand, um, open phrase, fourth octave A, for example. When you want to close a phrase, you press, you braille, I keep saying press, you braille dots four and five, followed by two and three. So there is a kind of a logic there, five, six, followed by one, two to open, four, five, followed by, dot, followed by uh, two and three to close. So any questions or comments from anyone on the stage? And if there's anyone who's not on the stage, I'm just looking. Um, if anyone who's not on the stage would like to raise your hand, you can do that as well. Hi, this is Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. Um, I had a question in regards to the slurs and the ties. Yes. So did I get this right that with a tie, you could tie together two notes that are the same but then with a slur, you will tie together like notes that are different from one another. Or like, does that mean that you just wouldn't breathe at the place or what, what would you do with a slur? Um, so I think my, if I'm to, if I'm to explain it correctly, and if anyone has, has a better explanation than mine, cause I am very, so the, the, the tie is for the same note. So the same pitched note, mm. uh, that is played a second time, but is not. In other words, if you were to hear it, you wouldn't know because it's tied. Yes. So the note is constantly yes. held. Yes. Uh, the slur is where one note, maybe an A slurs to a B. So they're kind of joined. They're not, um, they're not, they're not, they're not split so much, I suppose. Okay. For woodwind instruments, for example, you play more notes, but without articulating them. Oh, okay. So you wouldn't do like the tongue kind of like yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't do the tongue. Okay. I see. No, don't tongue, uh, mm -hmm. like an A and a B as opposed to. Right. Okay. So you're, yeah, That's, you're kind of, yes. you're, you're almost joining them, I suppose. Okay. But then what, what, um, what would be the meaning of the slur in the piano context or in, on, in keyboard instruments? I, I, it's, it kind of just joins. I suppose if you, have a, if you have a slur, it's almost like sustain, you know, using a, using a sustain mm -hmm. pedal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're, the, the note is heard pretty much immediately after the note it, the note it preceded. 
uh, but there's no there's no release, or at least there's you, you almost wouldn't hear the release. In vocal music, um, the slur becomes very important because you were talking earlier on about um, syllables, and it's the Word, slur yeah. that shows. Um, now I've got to get this right. It's been a long day at work, and I'm I'm tired. But um, the the slur it shows if two yeah. notes sound the same syllable. And the music you've out of interest because I know there's different people write lyrics in different ways depending how the music you've written would you generally typically have a line of uh, lyric and then a line of music yes or is it more almost of, almost yeah. exclusively I've never seen words written in line sometimes yeah. if we're writing you know hymns or psalms or something you would just write the tune at the top and then write the poetry underneath. Um, so you, you you just have the because obviously the tune is repeated for you know four or five verses. So you'd write the tune, and then you'd yes. have a line, and then you'd just yeah. have text with no music at all. Um, or I'd have a line of text followed by a line of music. Yeah. So the idea with that is you know the tune is the same each verse, so you just you just you just remember that yes the music yeah is that the yeah okay probably yeah. it's worth mentioning that. For four or more slurred notes, it's useful to use the phrase marking, so to speak, instead, or either double the slur. I mean, put a, I mean, two two two, two slurs, yeah. That's just a and good point. then yes, one, two, when you are going to finish. Sorry, that's a good. That's a, you're almost they kind of grouping, yeah, so that you're not having a slur after every note. So double, is that a double slur at the beginning and double slur at the end? Isn't that right? No, at the end is just one slur, not double. At the end is one, okay, and two two at the start. Okay, that's good. I, I wasn't sure of that, sorry. So just to maybe to uh, remind people about that then. So the, the, the double slur at the start and then the amount, whatever notes are in between the double slur and the single slur at the end are all slurred. That's correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that. Hey, this is Luis. The Hadley music prayer thing is no more. This is uh, all those type of classes, I believe, in 2017, 2018. And, but that course is available uh, through the Library of Congress uh, BART program. Okay, so they've made the content available for people who want it. Yes. That's great. Okay, yeah, I knew somebody, it might have been you, Louise, who said that last, I knew somebody had mentioned that. Yes. Um, and I'm glad to hear that that's still available because I had been recommending that to just people who would have asked me about, you know, courses or places where you could have learned because it is, I mean, I think the books we, we've referenced are very good, but it is difficult. It's not easy to learn this stuff in isolation, even with a good book. It's not not easy, so... I think if you have some kind of an interactive course or some content that might do that in more of a, a tutorial type feel, I think might be certainly welcome for some people. Stuart Lawler bringing to a close Braille Music Let's Tackle the Basics, a session that took place on Clubhouse on Monday the 28th of June 2021. You can follow Stuart on Twitter at Stuart Lawler. That's S T U A R T. L-A-W-L-E-R.
That is, in fact, the last Braille Music Let's Tackle the Basics session. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed them. Many thanks to Stuart Lawler and Rogine Dermody, who appeared in some of those episodes, uh, for allowing them to be recorded and made available on Brailcast Extra. Uh, they won't be continuing on Clubhouse. There may be some drop-in sessions from time to time, but there won't be any more formal uh, training on Clubhouse uh, from Stuart. If you enjoyed the sessions and you would like us to uh, carry on with them, please do drop us a line, help at brailists.org. We may be able to factor it in to our new series of masterclasses that will be made possible thanks to the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust grant uh, there are all sorts of possibilities there so let us know if you'd be interested in more braille music sessions and if you can let us know what it is in particular that you would like so would you like braille music for the piano braille music for voice for recorder flute saxophone you know the the, the list goes on but if you do have any specifics about that then please do let us know we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast extra you can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Brailcast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice, or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailleists everywhere on your smart speaker. For the latest information about future Brailleists events and how to join live, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter at brailleists.org slash newsletter slash sign up. You can also visit our events page at brailleists.org slash events. If you have comments on this recording or suggestions of topics or guests for future events, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. We welcome new listeners and live participants alike, so if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.